This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. And that is exactly why you keep a high-quality fire extinguisher right in the kitchen. <laughs> Today's feature presentation is The Santa Claus from 1994. Before we move on, let's just be clear that if you have a turkey on fire in the oven, don't open it the way that he does in this movie. Leave the oven closed. It's meant to handle heat. Just leave it closed on fire. Call the fire department. Anyway, Katie, what's this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's called the santa claus yes it's, i just got that psa in there just so people know your oven is made to handle the heat it's okay if things are on fire inside of it close that oven and dial 911. just holiday message for all of you this is santa claus um <laughs> what is santa claus katie um it's about a guy who's not a very nice person who ends up becoming santa claus and his entire personality changes <laughs> this is true and it is very much a tim allen movie from the 90s so yes. that history around this one it came out in that 90s early 2000s period where history is just hard to find there's not a whole lot of it for most of the movies around then um i got like three things here so we'll go quick um it was shot entirely in the greater toronto area which sure a lot of movies are um but the sub piece of this that i thought was kind of interesting was that the reindeer in the film the ones that were actually real when they used those all of those reindeer were from the toronto zoo so that's pretty cool um and then Generally, it got positive reviews from critics. The overall movie, um, it grossed 190 million worldwide and was financially successful, according to everything I could find. And it did well enough that it got two spinoffs. It got the Santa Claus Two and the Santa Claus Three: Colon Escape the Escape Clause, which I've never seen that third one, but I think I watched the second one at one point. So, high level thoughts on this one, Katie. What do you think after all these years? You mean to tell me that the reindeer that played Comet wasn't really Comet? No, I'm sure that one was not a real reindeer. That's very unfortunate because I thought those were really Santa's reindeer. Okay, well. I'm kidding. Now you, I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, I still, I still enjoyed this movie despite some of the bad stuff that's in it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a 90s Christmas movie, and mm -hmm. it's kind of what I was expecting. Um, I didn't know how well it would hold up, and in some ways, it was exactly what I expected, and in some ways, it was a little less than I expected. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't horrible either. It was just kind of like, like I said, it's kind of what I would expect from a 90s movie made by, like, with Tim Allen as the star. And that gets us into the moments, and the main thing that stuck out to me in a way that, like, I was almost surprised by is that because it's that like Tim Allen 90s movie um, vibe, it has way more like insults and just negativity than I remembered as a kid. And I'm sure I just didn't focus on that when I was a kid. But now that we've seen this one and then we also watched uh, what was the other one this year? Jungle to Jungle. Oh, um, yeah. It's just like I think it's part of his style and the kind of like writing that goes along with him as a performer. There's just a lot more like insults and like degradating people and groups and stuff than I liked. And it's not always overt and it's not always like horrible in your face, but I just it never rubbed me the right way. And that was like the one thing that stuck out like a sore thumb to me that just does not hold up at all. It's it's interesting because um, this kind of comedy that tim allen does you see it in like his tv show home improvement too which was yeah. going on around at the same time but you don't you get a different style of comedy insults in toy story for example like because he's the voice of buzz lightyear um like the insults are still there but they're more 
kid friendly, if that makes sense, because he's still not very nice. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but they are much more. I don't know. It's like when it's toys insulting toys, it's all kind of funny, right? When it's Tim Allen as a human being insulting other human beings or like talking about himself and his characteristics in a way that like degradate a group, like that's the part that just didn't sit well with me. No, that's the part I didn't like. I think I think that's the part that would make me not want to keep watching this. Like the rest of it is fine. It's just that like Tim, like Scott Calvin, like his version of Scott Calvin is just Who's an, the main character that he's yeah, playing. He's just an a-hole. Like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, he is. And like you mentioned, as we were talking about this, there's like a bunch of fat phobic jokes and other things in here that just, I don't know, none of them, none of them sit well. It was, it was not great. I forgot about all of the fat phobic jokes that they make in this whole thing. And there was like also those like sexist jokes that he makes yeah. at the very beginning. And then he like cuts off his female um, co-worker like very rudely. And then he makes some sort of like degrading comment about like how the guy's secretary is like sitting on his lap, which is just gross. Um, and then like all the fat phobic stuff, like he says all those like fat jokes about Santa as he's putting the suit on. And then his co-workers make all of those like, comments or they give him the looks when he's like starts putting on like the santa weight yeah yep and i think like that's i mean we're almost like pre-talking about the bad stuff in here right but like you said if once you get past that part or if you can overlook that part and be like you know this is kind of the style of the time for tim allen and the 90s Mm -hmm. the rest of the movie is okay it's just like it comes down to more the rewatch after this. Like, would I want to rewatch it? I'm not really sure. But some of the other parts I did enjoy in the movie, right? So, like, Santa's workshop, that whole piece of it was so interesting to me. Um, like, the sets that they use and the characters they use and the way that they did the world building around Santa's workshop, I've, I really like that part. And I love how the elf characters all take their jobs so seriously to the point where it's like, it's funny, but they're still like lighthearted and like kind of childish because they're supposed to be because they're elves, but at the same time, 100% serious about what their job is and what they have to do. Like that blend in the way that they built the world, I loved it. I really like Bernard. He's so funny. Yes. Um, I also really like it when, when, uh, <laughs> when Bernard's like confronting the other elf, he was like, are we on a coffee break? We don't drink coffee. Then I guess the break is over. <laughs> so much attitude, but He's it's so, so funny. Yeah. He might be one of the best characters in the movie, Bernard. And then the other, I'm going to forget her name. The other elf is a really good character. Judy. Too. The other, yes, Judy. Um, and then, you know, there's this whole part where in between his first visit to the North Pole and when he finally comes to terms with the fact that he's becoming Santa, it takes like most of a year to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And so you get this whole, it's not quite a montage, but it is a series of scenes where he's slowly turning into Santa Claus. And those are hit and miss because we talked about some of the ways that they don't land, but some of those scenes are funny and some of them do work. Like one of my favorite ones, which is just such a dumb little joke, but it's when he goes to the doctor and the doctor's inspecting him and he's like, well, you're putting on weight, but you, you're you still like perfectly healthy. Like there's nothing wrong with you. And he's like, okay, let's listen to your heart. And he listens to his heart and it plays jingle bells with heartbeats. And I just like, that was the funniest moment of the movie for me. And I didn't think that it would land like that. 
I I like when he's talking about his hair and he goes he goes I shave in the morning and at night and I look like this and yeah. he's like pointing to it and he goes he goes what about my hair turning gray he goes he goes well you can dye it and then he goes and you should dye it and then like pokes him I think that's funny it's not great but I thought it was really funny still <laughs> yeah and so there's stuff like that that works like there's a whole um elf squad scene that you I like love- right. I love that. But before we talk about the Elf Squad, I love when they deliver the list to his house. Oh, yes. Yes, that's a good part, too. Because there is never a time in my life now that if I hear the name Armand, that I don't in my head go, Armand Asante? <laughs> like the question mark, because that's the first name that's on the list. Yeah, and like has to get the whole list and check it twice. It's so big, and it's just like UPS or what is it? U.S. Postal Service just delivers it, and his whole house is filled. It's so yep. funny. It's just like the easiest thing, but I do love the Elf Squad. So amazing. Yeah, and the Elf Squad is like when they have to go rescue him, basically. So he kidnaps his son. There's this whole subplot to the movie that I don't want to get too much into, but they're divorced, and he's trying to relate to his son, and his son believes he's Santa Claus, and then his ex-wife and her new husband don't believe he's Santa Claus, so they try to like keep him away from the son. It's not a fun storyline, but it works for like the movie they're telling all of that to say there's a point where he goes off with his son. And so the police are like, Oh, he's kidnapped his son. And so he ends up in a jail cell as Santa and he's like, well, now what? Like, how do I get out of this? And that's where the elf squad comes in. Right? Yes. I mean, I always wondered how long he kidnapped his son for because they weren't gone for like a couple of days. It was like he kidnapped him like at Thanksgiving yeah and it's like christmas by the time he gets caught so it's he's like a kidnapped month. him for like a month that's not yeah. cool yeah it's it's pretty bad and like he when he gets arrested right they like pick him up at the house and uh so they're like interrogating him which is one of my favorite scenes in the entire film because they're like what's your name and he goes uh santa claus what's your name uh, Père Noël, and he just keeps saying Santa Claus in different languages. Yeah, and the best one is when he says Topo Gisho. <laughs> the best one. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>. and <laughs> then like the Elf Squad comes to rescue him. So it's like, um, they're like specialized elves who, uh, have like jetpacks that like fly to come and help him, and they break him out of jail with tinsel. And it's not just for decoration. Yeah. Funny. Um, no, I like that. And then, you know, he he basically around that time, like right before Christmas of the second year uh, of the movie, it, he is when he like learns to embrace becoming Santa. And then everybody ends up believing him in the end. And they all have like a happy ending, which feels a little forced. It's not quite believable. But as a Christmas movie from the 90s, I think it generally works. Um and that kind of gets us to the bad and the good. So what was bad in this one for you? The uh, fat phobic jokes and the bad 90s sexism jokes. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Um, you know, the 90s tropes in general and like the 90s movie making approaches, like you definitely feel it in this one. Um, there's some heavy stuff around divorce and just like that whole subplot. And like I said, there's just a lot more insults than I remembered and that way more than I was comfortable with seeing it through like modern eyes. Um, but the good on this one, I thought that it, you know, it's a pretty easy Santa movie to watch and 
parts of it, parts of it still hold up. Um, what did you like about this one? Um, I, I thought it was, um, I mean, it, it's, it's bad and not bad at the same time. I liked all of the, like the stuff that they did at the, um, at Santa's workshop where they were like trying to help him get ready for Christmas. Right. Where they made him like the fire retardant suit. And then like yeah. the new, the new sleigh and they comet gave him a rope so that if he falls off the roof, he doesn't die. Like, I liked all right. of that stuff. And like, obviously they use some ZZ top music, which you can't be mad at. So <laughs> yeah, it's like every time that they're in Santa's workshop and doing North pole stuff, the movie's at its best. And anytime they're grounded in the real world dealing with like divorce, it's at its worst. And it kind of swings both ways in this movie. Yeah. So would we watch it again? Um, I'm going to say yes. Cause I'll probably end up watching it again before the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to say maybe if the situation is right. Um, it's not like a hard no, but I also don't think I'll go out of my way to watch it again. Now that I've seen it as an adult, I think once was enough there. Um, if you guys want to watch along, what we have coming up next is nothing, nothing for this year. We just have one more episode where we're going to do a season two recap, some reflection like we did last year, and then we're going to break for the holidays and we'll come back with new movies next year. Um, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to reflect a little bit and kind of talk about our favorites and our least favorites and anything else that stuck out from season two of Disney forever. Don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent to you, which brings us to Weekly Geekery. Katie, what have you been geeking out about this week? Well, as you can tell, I have a pretty bad voice going on right now um, because I got to see BTS in concert, in person, in a very, very large venue with like 50,000 other people. But not just once, right? Uh, no, I'm. They are performing four concerts. Okay, so two they did Thanksgiving weekend, and then two more in the middle of the week, um, like the next week. I'm seeing them three out of the four times. And you've, as of us recording this, you, it's already been two of them. And two. You have one more coming up, right? Yep. So I saw them twice. I saw them on Saturday, and I saw them on Sunday, and it was. Everything and more. I mean, I don't want to get into like how awful the venue handled that massive amount of people because you think that a football stadium would be able to handle that many people. It didn't go well. Okay. <laughs> um, but overall, like the concert was done very well. They uh, put together an incredible set of music. They performed 24 songs on Saturday, 25 songs on Sunday. And they actually, so the, usually the way that K-pop concerts go, at least with BTS, is they split up the show by, they have group songs, solo songs, and then unit songs. Because they have a, a hip hop unit and then are like the rap line and then the vocal unit. So they split it up so that people get like breaks in between. So they're not all performing all the time, the entire show. Um, but uh, Suga, who's one of the members, he talked about this during his like closing statement at the end of the show, that the reason they put together the whole show. They chose all of the songs. They put together the cue sheet, the set list, and then they put together all of like the choreography, how they transition between songs. They did everything for it. And they chose not to do any solo or unit songs because they've been away from fans for two whole years with no uh, live performances in front of an audience. And what they wanted was everyone's focus on all seven of them. The whole Interesting. time. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. 
Yeah. So it was very like, they did a really great job. They picked some songs that were older. They performed all of their new songs that they came out. Um, the three English songs that they did um, during quarantine, they performed all three of those. They performed stuff off the, the album that came out last year. They also finally got to perform the song on in front of a live audience in a stadium, which they'd been wanting to do for two years. Um. But the best thing is, like, I have, like, a list of BTS songs that I want to hear live. And the the chances of that actually happening are very slim because a lot of them are older songs. And they don't perform those songs as often. Um, you have a better chance of seeing them during their anniversary show where they kind of do, like, a bunch of songs throughout their discography. Um, so it was very unexpected for them to play Save Me, which is, like, the song, one of the two songs that got me into BTS. And let's just say I like was hyperventilating, ugly sobbing while crying while wearing a mask, <laughs> trying to <laughs> sing at the same time. It was very like, it was very emotional, like to hear it performed live for the very first time. And then they changed their um, encore song. So, you know, like most bands will do like their set and then they're like bye it was so great thanks for coming but they don't actually leave right yeah they like go back and like in k-pop they go and like they change into their like concert merch like they're more comfortable like they wear like the concert t-shirts and the hats and like different things like that and then like jeans and shoes and things like that but um they came back and on the first day they sang um we are bulletproof the eternal, which was a song I didn't expect them to sing. Um, it, that one was very emotional because it was sort of this like song to go over their whole like we've only ever been seven members until we met you, and they're talking about the fans, and they're like we're not seven when we're with you, we're like all of us together as a group. Um, and then they sang. Uh, answer love myself which was the song that they used to close their love yourself tour with and i never thought i would hear that song live and when they started playing it i was like a sobbing mess (laughs) after um and then they changed the encore songs again for sunday they played epilogue uh, Young Forever, which I also didn't expect to hear live. And then they played Spring Day, which is like the song that everyone's like, I'm never going to get the opportunity to hear the song live ever. And they finally, like, they they chose to put it as part of the set list. And it, when it started, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now because I've heard this song <laughs> perform. It's very beautiful. It's It's a a very well-written song, very beautifully performed. It's, like, one of the best ballads, like, songs that they sing. And I feel lucky to have, like, gotten the opportunity to hear those three songs in person. So it'll be interesting to see what changes they make to the set list on Wednesday to see if they change anything. Because they had a special guest on Sunday um, for a remix of one of their songs, which was super exciting. And then they included another song, which they were like, we could fit this in, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, guys, and like, what was interesting was like, the audience was deafeningly loud. I have never been to a concert where they were that loud. Like, you could barely hear the group 
because the entire audience was either singing along or screaming the entire show. And it was like, I can't imagine what it was like standing outside the venue. Oh my God. Well, I'm glad that you had fun. It sounds like it was very worth it to you and you're excited to go back again for round three. I, I'm very excited. I'm seeing it like in person on Wednesday and then they're doing a live stream of the concert on Thursday. So I actually bought a ticket to watch it from the comfort of my home. So all the things I couldn't see in nosebleed, I'll now get to see on my screen. (laughs) So you're actually watching four of the four performances. I'm watching all of them because I was really disappointed that I didn't get a ticket to see the last one. But I feel like, honestly, like when we finished the concert on on Sunday, I was like, Chelsea, how are we going to do this a third time? (laughs) But I'm excited. So... Um, There will be more pictures, more videos, and lots more tweeting about BTS for at least a week or so. So I'm sorry if anyone follows me and they don't care about K-pop. That's okay. No, I'm excited on your behalf. I'm glad that you're having fun with it. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, For Weekly Geekery, I I picked a little thing because I knew yours was a bigger thing. So it's a little game that I was playing with my kids called Unpacking, and it's um it's a video game. It's on Game Pass right now. So if you have, if you have Game Pass, you can just go grab it. Otherwise, it's not a full sixty dollar game. It's like a twenty dollar game or something like that. Um, but it's this game where you are. It, it's a story told through you unpacking this girl at various places. Like every time she moves throughout her life. So it starts with you it's like her as a kid getting her own room for the first time in a house that they're moving into and you can tell she's probably like 10 ish give or take a couple years um and so like it's the whole game is you just like open the box and take things out of the box and like put them around the room and find the right place for them to go um and it sounds not super interesting when you say it that way but the interesting part is seeing if you're an adult right you've moved at least a couple times that's how most of it us as adults have like functioned in society right like you live with your parents for a while a lot of us move to college you end up with some living with roommates for a little bit um you know and then you go and you get your own apartment or you end up with a significant other or you get your own house like you can go all these different ways but people understand the act of moving and this is a story told through that medium and so it's really fascinating to like jump ahead years each time and see like the things that she keeps and the things that get like that don't show up again right because she's no longer a kid now she's in college and it's like oh cute she brought a couple of her stuffed animals with her um but and like now she has a new computer that wasn't there before but she still brought her art supplies so like oh she's still into art and it's like you're never explicitly told anything about this main character, but you pick up the story of her life through various times that you unpack her belongings and put them into a new space. And so it's just utterly fascinating to me. And it's not a super long game, right? You can play through the whole thing in maybe, I don't know, three to five hours, depending on how fast you're going. And it's like, seeing her moving with roommates for the first time and then you run into that problem that you often do if you have multiple roommates where you have like doubles and triples of items right it's like oh they already have a microwave where does my microwave go you know like um or everybody has their own shampoo bottles in the bathroom and you're like okay i gotta fit mine in around my roommate's stuff somewhere and there's one move in where you can tell she's moving in with her boyfriend and he's already lived in the place for a while so all of his stuff has a space and you're trying to fit her stuff around his and 
as you're moving it in, you're just cringing because you're like, this is not going to work out, girl. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you can just tell as an adult that's moved in and, like, lived with people, you're like, ooh, this is not a good relationship to be in. And then the very next move after that is, like, a year later and she's moving back in with her parents. You're like, yeah, yeah, that feels about right. Um, And it's just, it was so utterly fascinating to me because it's a it's a game and it's a story that can only be told through this medium right you can't get this experience from a book or from a movie whereas a lot of the other time there are stories told through games that i enjoy through games but you could get that narrative in a different way this is one that's truly only done through interaction and because of that it was just like i don't know it was kind of um all-consuming just for the few hours that like my kids and I were sitting there playing it because we were all so engrossed in like what was going on with her what was going on with her life but also where does the shampoo bottle go Katie you know it's like (laughs) it's both and you the thing is like we all had such strong opinions and I was like no the yoga mat goes under the bed you don't need it out on the floor my kids like no it should go with her shoes because she's gonna work out and like that was super fun too so anyway All of that to say, Unpacking is an extremely fascinating game, and if you guys are subscribed to Game Pass, I would highly recommend it because it's not going to cost you anything, and it's worth checking out. Just like put half an hour into it and see what you get out of it and see if you were as fascinated as I was. That does sound fairly interesting since I'm about to go through that same thing because I'm going to be moving in January, so I got to pack all of my stuff, and it's a lot of stuff. What makes it with you? What doesn't? What are all the news places for things it's it's a very human thing that a lot of us have done over time so it's very very relatable um yeah that's probably it for this week uh you guys can find us all over the internet our email address is disneyforeverpodcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at disneyeverpod and you can talk to us in real time by joining our slack workspace or our discord server i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm also on the geek to geek podcast with bj keaton and you can find me on both twitter and instagram by searching the handle at lady Catherine p i'm also the co-host of two other podcasts with my best friend tea time with katie and chelsea and you can't stop me loving k-pop this has been disney forever with katie and void we'll be back next week as long as disney keeps making content that can't be forever right i mean they probably could make another santa claus movie